Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. Another Bonnaroo veteran that we've lost probably way, way, way too early. Probably is not the uh, right word, but December 8th, we lost Juice World. And uh, Barry, I was uh, going back and looking at all of the artists that have played Bonnaroo that we've lost. And the list is like the heavy hitters of the last 25 years. It is You could create an entire festival just on the artists that we've lost in the last 15 years. It, it's, not even, it's not even the young ones, though. Um, it's the ones that uh, – I apologize. It's not even the old ones, though. It's not even the ones that, you know, you can be like, man, we had a good run with them. It's the young ones that, that get – I mean, Mac Miller – you know, it would juice world. Um, those are the ones that really, really, really hurt. Right. Uh, you big juice world guy. So it's weird because you're Barry without an A, and he was juice world without an O. <laughs> Burry. <laughs> It's Barry Corder. It's Brad Steiner. Welcome to the What Podcast, a podcast for Bonnaroovians by Bonnaroovians. Now, uh, there's so much to get to, and we have a load, load uh, to talk about. But real quick, I want to go through the list of artists that we've lost. Uh, and if I've missed one, please hit us up uh, at Brad Stinks on Twitter. At uh, What is your Twitter, by the way, Barry? I can't even remember. Okay, Barry JC. B-R-R-Y-J-C? Okay. And then, of course, the what underscore podcast. So you've got Juice World. We've lost Charles Bradley, Solomon Burke, which was one of the great. There's two specific shows that I remember that I knew I was seeing the last hurrah. I knew it was going to be dangerously close to the last show that they ever did. And in fact, one person on this list, it was the very last show they ever did. Solomon Burke, one of those guys, who is the king of Philadelphia soul, and I am a uh, unabashed 60s soul uh, obsessed lunatic. And Solomon Burke was my guy. There's times when you 
know that you're never going to get this ever again. And I know that you have your favorite artists on the planet, and I know that you're probably going to go see them at Bonnaroo if they show up at Bonnaroo. But more often than not, you could buy a ticket and go see them. Solomon Burke was not that guy. You could not just go find a ticket for Solomon Burke. So the fact that he was at Bonnaroo, it was like it was specifically chosen for me. And I got to watch the king of Philadelphia soul in front of maybe 125 people sing every great 60s and 70s hit he's ever had. He took me to church, and I knew it. I was bawling throughout that show because I knew this was the last time I was ever going to see him. You know, I didn't have him on the list, but thank you for adding him. Yeah, I was just on. I actually didn't know that. Wow. Really? Yeah. I wonder if when I went to Music Midtown in, in 2001 and I sat uh, stood next to a guy with a kid on his shoulders and we were at the Rick James concert, I wonder if he had the same feeling about his kid. <laughs> Years and years, the show's going to happen forever. Like Mac Miller, I'm sure. You know, in 2012, when when you know Mac Miller was still a guy that you know you had to be in the know to really like it and get it. But um, you know, he he's gone. You, of course, the Tom Petty's. We lost John uh, James Brown. We've lost Doctor John. You know, the only comic that I can remember that we've lost is Ralphie May. Ralphie May, former, he's a Chattanooga kid. He was uh, born and raised in Chattanooga slash Houston. Uh, Sharon Jones, of course, we've lost. And then the one that uh, I'll double back everything that I've said about Solomon Burke. I had the exact same feeling about Bobby Womack. And uh, there is not a um, a better pure um, soul singer than Bobby Womack. And he was the guy that, you know, when James Brown was getting all the credit, it was really Bobby Womack that, that was the guy, him and Syl Johnson. You know, for talk about somebody who I, I can't believe – he doesn't do shows anymore, and if, if he did one show, I'd probably ever see him at Bonnaroo, Sil Johnson. But Bobby Womack, his last show he ever played was at Bonnaroo. He died a month later. A month later. No, because if you think about it, that's that's only like a dozen artists. But 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 that lineup, if you go through Juice World, Charles Bradley, Solomon Burke, Sharon Jones, Bobby Womack, Dr. John, James Brown, Tom Petty, Mac Miller, Ralphie May, Alan Toussaint, that is a lineup, man. That is a lineup. Yeah, 
I've got to be missing somebody, man. I've got to be missing a big one, too, and that's what I'm worried about. So if you hit us up if, if I've missed uh, anyone. And if you've seen any of these shows, tell us what you felt. Did you have the same feeling I did like I did to Solomon Burke and Bobby Womack? I mean, Solomon Burke hit me hard, hit me really, really hard because the man was barely able to walk out onto the stage, and he had to sit on a throne and, and have – I guess his daughter or whoever his girl was there at the side literally pat him down from sweat the entire day. Well, I think it's important to know because you and I get this sense of it. Um, I think we do. I know I do. I know it comes with age and you can make fun of me, but uh, you don't get to see these people. You know, when they're gone, they're gone. You don't get to see them. You don't get to see them. You don't get to see them. Um, so, you know, I kind of felt that way last year about Tom Pryor. I felt that way about the, uh, the country, the country uh, tent that catch did. Uh, the Grand Ole Opry? Yeah. Those guys, uh, you know, that was important to me to be able to see that. I, I get that the show wasn't what we wanted. And, you know, not, that's maybe not for everybody to go see a show you're not going to Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you feel as though, and yes, the John Prine and the Grand Ole Opry thing is one thing, but do you think that they've done a good job lately in the last couple of years with Legacy Acts? Or do you feel as though, like some people's theories are, that the Legacy Act has sort of gone away? But you were really excited about it. See, the Wanda Jackson thing was going to be – I was hoping you were going to bring that up because, uh, boy, do I love Wanda Jackson. And she struggled at that show, and she said so. She was b- battling the heat. She was an hour late. Um, she just didn't – well, I ended, up seeing, I ended up seeing Wanda Jackson twice on that tour. Because I was so obsessed with her. I saw her in a sit-down theater, and then I saw her at, at Bonnaroo, and the Bonnaroo show was just one of these things like, oh, God, I hope she makes it. <laughs> I hope she makes it. Because it's fun. It's a really, really fun show, but that it's those kind of acts, and precisely to your point, that I wonder if they're even paying attention to anymore. Because it takes somebody in that office to know exactly what they're doing and to be able to find the person. And here's what I'll say. And I know, well, I don't know, but I hope to God the AC people are listening and I'm begging you, find Syl Johnson just for me. If there's anything that you could do just for me, find Syl Johnson, who is the guy that's been sampled more than any other uh, uh, 60s soul artist ever other than James Brown. Find him from Chicago. Drag him to the farm and please put him on a stage and I don't care if 35 people are there. Now back uh, to another legacy act but but never really got, I mean he wasn't there because he was dead, but William Onyabor. 
they did the atomic bomb William Onyabor uh, tribute, and again, there might have been 300 people at it. You know, it's, it's these kind of acts that, like, just don't move the needle for very many people, but boy, do they give Bonnaroo a, a slice and, a, and a, an angle that nobody else has. Right, I know, I know, you're right. Wait, that wasn't me? Oh, damn it. Yeah, you know... Well, Sharon Jones always brought a show. Uh, she never left anything um, to, to, to be wanted. Charles Bradley's show, uh, to me, was... Man, that was that was the pinnacle Bonnaroo moment because it's it's uh, a Saturday or Sunday I can't remember I think it's a Sunday that was that church moment that I've been begging for them to bring back I want church on the what stage at two o'clock one o'clock in the afternoon Charles Bradley there was where was I mean maybe a thousand people tops at the what stage and he came out at the end of the show and hugged every single damn person in that audience and it was unbelievable I'll never forget that moment and it was like him saying thank you and and appreciating what he had gone through for 30 years to get to that moment and he had it and he got it and he wanted to say thank you to every single one of them you know there's somebody in that office that pays attention to this there's somebody that does it i don't i don't know how much attention they're paying to it um, but if there's an audience that still appreciates it i think it's the bonnaroo audience Yeah. Right. Um, now, uh, I appreciate uh, you uh, joining us on this episode. There's so much that we've got to get to, and, and I, I, we spent a lot of time, probably way too much time on the immemorium stuff. That, But um, there have been rue clues that have come out. Uh, we've got news about the podcast that we want to share with you that we're really, really excited about. There have been lineups like crazy dropping over the last you know month since we've been back. I mean, the last time that we did a show was the, the Rue crossover podcast with the Rue bus. And the amount of information that has happened in this last month um, is baffling. It's, there's so much going on. Uh, so I was just going to run through some of it, but I think that we probably should start um, with... Well, actually, I don't know where to start because I want to talk Lizzo. I want to talk um, uh, the, the the other lineups. I want to talk the Rue Clues. You want to go through some of the Rue Clues first? Okay. <laughs> All right. So there have been five. There's been five Rue Clues, and, and here's what I know about the lineup. The lineup uh, in, in 
is coming out the second week of January. And uh, my bet is based on the history of Bonnaroo and going through ev- all of my old emails and, and how they position it. I'm going January 14th. It's a Tuesday. Uh, they normally like to release the lineup on Tuesday, and it's going to be one of these first thing in the morning things as well, like they've been doing over the past few months. So my bet, and this is my educated hunch based on um, what I know and the people I know, I'm going with January 14th. Uh, I, but, you know, as always, I reserve the right to be wrong. Now, you go through uh, what the root clues have been saying, and I can't remember how many they've, they've done in the past, but we've already have five. First is Loop Daddy. Now, uh, which is weird because that's what we call Barry. I didn't know that Barry was going to be... I Look, there are... I don't know Loop Daddy, and someone's going to have to. We need a guy. We need a guy on Loop Daddy. Could, do we? Do we have a correspondent for Loop Daddy? I need Loop Daddy. Uh, I need a Loop Daddy guy uh, or girl. Uh, Rez was the third uh, clue, and boy, do people love Rez. And again, I'm going to assume that it's one of these EDM acts, and it's one of these that is constantly talked about. But it's like. It, for me, it's like the show Lost. I never watched it, but it's so far into the mainstream culture, it, I've lost it. Like, I, there's no way that I could catch up now. It feels like Rez is such a big deal to so many of these people that I feel like I'm just now joining the party way too late. Uh, King Gizzard is another one that uh, is a, is a big uh, big hit on the Reddits, and then the two that I know pretty well, and I can tell you a couple stories about, is uh, Pine Grove and Still Woozy. Pine Grove is really Pine Grove's a struggle for me as an indie alternative kid who lives and breathes that that thread of music. Pine Grove is such a struggle for me because they simultaneously are such a great set of songwriters. That kid can really, really write a song. But so often, the way that it is then performed and executed comes across so whiny. He, it just There's just this whine about it that is really, really tough. Now, Old Friends is damn near one of the best written songs of the decade. He, the, the last album, they had a song called Old Friends, and it sort of chronicled through um, a relationship that went wrong and how he was too wrapped up into himself, and he didn't really realize it until he ran into an old friend on the train, and it turns out somebody close to both of them had died, right? It's a brilliant song. I mean, the 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 way that's crafted and put together is insanely brilliant, but I specifically went to a music festivals that shall not be named to see Pine Grove. That's the only reason I went to see Pine Grove, and I went to it, and they played that song, which was at the time their biggest hit. They played it first, and guess when I showed up? About seven minutes into the set, they played the biggest song, their only song, first, and I missed the entire thing. Here's the other thing that they do on stage that I swear to God I hope that they have fixed because I really want to like them. I hope you understand that I want to like Pine Grove a lot because I like him so much as a songwriter. They wear shorts on stage. No, they don't take their shirts off, thank God, but they wear shorts on stage, and that is a deal breaker for me. It's a deal breaker. You're not taking this seriously. MGMT did the same thing at Hangout, and I'll never forgive them for it. You've got to take this more seriously than wearing a T-shirt and some Bahama John uh, shorts. You can't do that to me.
I just want you to take this as seriously as I'm taking it. That's all. That's all. Um, okay, and then finally, Still Woozy. Dude, I love Still Woozy. Still Woozy's my Quinn 92. Now, I told you all year last year how much I loved Quinn 92. Uh, this guy, uh, Still Woozy... Yes, and and knowing him now on a personal level, I understand why he's doing it. I understand the bit that he's trying to pull off. But Still Woozy is sort of in that vein. And uh, I was lucky enough to have dinner with Interscope Records the day that they got signed during Lollapalooza. And the way that, that the record people were talking about Still Woozy, it's like they had uncovered, you know... I mean, Taylor Swift is too far, but it's like they had found the next great artist, the, the, the next big one. And they, believe me, they feel so strongly about Still Woozy, the way that they stream, the way that they sell. They think they have a monster. They think they have an underground monster that's waiting to erupt. And if that's the case, and you have somebody like Interscope Records who feels so strongly about an artist, that means they're going to put a lot of money into them. That means they're going to put a lot of investment into them. And this, and you might be looking this time next year saying, oh, my God, still Woozy played Bonnaroo probably on a Thursday night? Wow. That band, those guys are really, really good. In fact, I don't even know if it's those guys. It might just be a guy now that I think about it. But either way... Uh, give them a listen because they are going. They're going to be a, a, a Thursday night stunner. I'm taking the very educated uh, assumptions based on the people on Reddit that make a lot of sense. You know, I mean these these people are really obsessed with this. I mean, they know who's touring where. Who's going to be where, and does it fit into, you know, a, an overall tour? You know, and this is what they've got now. Uh, I don't. If they're wrong, they're wrong. But I think that I I, tr- I trust these I trust these guys. I trust these guys a lot on 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 their son. But no, they haven't. But but here's the thing: when you get when you get to a point where you've you've needled through so many clues and you come up with so many different options and everybody gets to a consensus that yes it's king gizzard or yes it's pine grove i can i i'm gonna go with it i'm gonna go with it um with that being said uh there's so many other lineups that have been announced so many lineups they desperately want you to buy these tickets for christmas um, and I'll, let's go through a couple. Electric Forest was announced, and again, Electric Forest is one of these that's just, you're not going to find me there. And I know that it's really, really popular. It's sold out really, really quickly, and everybody I've ever known has has loved it. If there is a more highly sought after or thought of festival in the country, I would be surprised. I mean, Electric Forest is way up there on user experience and how people think of it. I've never heard someone have a bad word about their experience at Electric Forest. Well, that's AC and AC. So, so did did our own Moon River get in there? Did did we? Okay. Charleston. I'm not sure, but I think that I also need to 
in a state. I don't know. And Iceland airwaves in Iceland. That's what I mean. You go from Akers in Knoxville to Iceland. Uh, Montreal Jazz Festival. Really? Yeah. And not the New Orleans Jazz Festival, huh? Cause that, is, is that not the same people, too? Oh, stop it. Throw that list in the trash, Barry Corder. Throw it in the trash because Music Midtown is garbage. It is garbage. I'm stunned. What Did they do a description on each one of these festivals? Read to me what they wrote about Music Midtown. I hate to be so mean about this, but, but I've never had worse musical user experiences than at Music Midtown. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so it just goes on and on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's experience. I, you know, I don't know. I didn't read the entire list. Um, That's stunning. I can't take that list seriously all of a sudden. I can't take it seriously. I always tease you. You write yours on your own VIP. You got my There's just no culture to oh, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to argue about about. I'm not going to. I'm stunned. Um, so you've got the Something in the Water Festival in Virginia Beach, which, by the way, I, I need to say something about the Something in the Water Festival. I have never been, and I'm sure it's a wonderful festival. But can we please, as a, as a collective group, um, fight back at people who alphabetize their lineup on their poster? You have – you had, no, Something in the Water has a real lineup. But it took me to get to the P's to see Post Malone. That is a problem. You know, when I, I know that it's dopey, but that kind of stuff to me matters. And I, I didn't want to look through your whole lineup to find artists that I might like. I want you to tell me who's your best. Tell me. It's just it's bad for the eye. And I hate to make such a weird argument about this. But Dear Something in the Water Festival, you might have a great festival, but I can't go because I can't read your poster. Oh man, that's a that's a conversation for Lord Taco. I don't know. I don't know the numbers. Well, but there's so many that. Well, I know, but then you go to the festival graveyard and you find Exit 111 Fest, which was universally. They were all they were you Exit 111 Fest was universally praised. People really, really enjoyed their time. As as odd as a fit as it was, and as odd as the space was, people really, really loved it. But you know, it's going to find the graveyard because there are things like the Rockville Fest in Daytona Beach that are that's servicing that group of people of the Metallicas and the Deftones of the world. Conversations with Ashley and Jeff Gray are, you know, they 
different people. There's a right way and a wrong way. And I don't think that actually with a lot of people, I don't think there was a 100% commitment, if I'm being honest, uh, from everybody involved. That's all. The fans liked it. Like you said, I admired it. Well, let me tell you something. If if that was less than a hundred percent commitment on everybody involved, then um, they're better at this than damn near everybody that's ever done a music festival. Because if that was sixty percent, wow! <laughs> I mean, that's really well done. If you could pull off sixty percent of your you know care in the world and you still pull off Exit One Eleven Fest, that was universally praised. Um, so, uh, and then the final one that I wanted to bring up was Hangout Fest, uh, because, uh, I don't know how out in the public this is, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Uh, but apparently, uh, Sean O'Connell, who is the guy that, uh, was, uh, really early on for Bonnaroo, uh, he, um, helped with the booking and helped with the, uh, the radio compound and some of the media stuff, went to be the CEO of Hangout Festival years ago. And I give him... 100% of the credit for turning Hangout Festival into what it is today. He made it a much better user experience. He turned it into a major, major product. And, you know, he was helped with Golden Voice when Golden Voice came in and sort of, you know, bought it, it you know, most of the shares of it. But uh, Sean O'Connell is one of the great minds in this world when it comes to music festivals and he did an absolute phenomenal job with hangout he's no longer there lineup that you see from what i understand is not the person he didn't he didn't book this lineup he booked most of the ones in the years past he didn't book this one he's off to doing uh, other things that you know i don't know if are, are public or not but um the guy knows what he's doing, so he deserves a ton of credit for what Hangout is. No matter if you like Hangout or if it's a festival for you or a lineup for you, I'm telling you, based on everything that I have gone to, all of the festivals I've gone to, Hangout is as good of an experience as it gets as far as an organization is concerned. And you would have known that had we been able to put... <laughs> put out our hangout episode last year. Well, it Yeah. Uh, you you go through the hangout lineup and you've got uh, Chili Peppers, Post Malone, Billie Eilish, Marshmello, uh, Lana Del Rey. Shockingly, I'm no Red Hot Chili Peppers historian, so I can't talk too much about you know. Okay. Well, good good for you. You you've got a uh, sock you've got a sock on your groin right now. You're so excited. Uh, then 
Then you got Cage the Elephant, Ilium, Kane Brown, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, etc. Look, I mean, Hangout Festival is a top 40 lineup. Um, it is as big of a top 40 festival as you're going to find. The second being probably Music Midtown, and uh, at least in the southeast. But uh, Hangout Festival has a very specific crowd they're going for. They have a very specific lineup that they do, and it is all built on how they can maximize a top 40 um, uh, top forty listener, top 40 lifestyle. And in that way, you know, they did a very good job. And what's crazy about Hangout Festival is it is going to sell out before the end of the year. When I talk to their, the, the the way that things have, the RSVPs and the tiers, they have sold so quickly and the numbers are so high. Hangout Festival is going to sell out that quickly. You've got to be doing something right. Now, it they don't care what your opinion on the lineup is. <laughs> if they can sell, because I was told, this is the number that was is so crazy to me. For every ticket over capacity that is sold, right? So they'll hit their capacity number, and then every uh, ticket after that, that they have to go to the city and say, hey, by the way, can we get um, this upped by 10,000 people or 1,000 people? Every ticket sold over capacity equals $1,000 in pure profit. That is unbelievable to me. Well, I was the guy. I didn't want to go. Because it, well, my, my argument was always, if I go to Hangout Festival at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I'm stuck in Gulf Shores. But then I realized when I went, I'm stuck at Gulf Shores. I mean, it's actually pretty, it's really well done. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's a really good point. Um, so, again, this is the uh, Bonnaroo, uh, Bonnaroo podcast for Bonnarooians by Bonnarooians. Barry Quarter. I'm Brad Steiner. This is the What Podcast. Follow along the what underscore podcast dot com or um, I'm sorry, the what underscore podcast on Twitter, the what podcast dot com uh, for all of our previous episodes and season. I guess uh, when we hit lineup day, lineup day will start our third season. Our third official season, you know, we're set up for about 15 to 16 shows, but throughout next year and throughout the third season of the Bonnaroo podcast, the the What Podcast, we are adding a little wrinkle. And we're really, really happy to announce because, and by the way, not only happy to announce, but also very scared to announce. I'm very nervous about this because this is a direct reflection on how much we're actually liked, and if you actually like the product enough. Um, but it, it was something that we struggled with. I'll be totally honest and vulnerable with you for a second. It was something that we struggled with. We talked about over and over and over. Um, we had cold feet, and then we started, and then we got cold feet again. It's very, it, it's very nerve-wracking to put yourself out like this, but we are now officially on Patreon. We're doing the the regular podcast thing, and you know, asking you if you would like to be a part of our Patreon. There is several levels that you can you can join with, and as low as two dollars, you can be a Patreon, and up to twenty dollars a month, you can be a Patreon. Uh, and I wanted to go through some of the levels in which we've sort of set up because we kind of wanted to create some cool things that allow you to. Um, you know, be a Patreon and more than just, hey, we'll talk to you some more. 
you know, we'll do more content, which is cool, and we think that people like content, and we, we, you know, we can do it. I mean, not like, I mean, like we got anything to do, but we wanted to add some more things to it so that you can feel even more tied to this product as, as, as you already are. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm nervous as you are. It's, you know, it feels like uh, passing that note across the aisle so the girl next to you would ask her to check one of those boxes. Right. It's interesting you put it like that, like, do you like me, yes or no? Uh, to me, it feels like I'm sitting outside homeless uh, asking for a few changes. It's sort of I'm a, as if I'm some sort of busker. <laughs> that guy's guitar is out of tune. We've got five different levels of, of Patreons. The $2 a month uh, for a commitment of five months gets you a, a shout on the show every every show and uh, we'll go through a list of them at the end of the show and we'll thank you uh, immensely for your you know your support that's the high five the marty mcfly it's four dollars a month and we've added our own our own what podcast koozie that will also keep your pbr cold and allow you to be a good dancer it's pretty good uh, now, of course, this is a per-month basis, and we hope that you stick around for the five months from January to the festival date, mainly because uh, these things that we are printing cost money, and we hope that you don't uh, just get it for $4. Uh, <laughs> okay. Then the uh, third package is named after our good friends Repeat Repeat. We've named it the Glazed Package. You get, uh, of course, the mention on the show, you get the koozie, and you get a What Podcast t-shirt that even makes Barry Corder look sexy. Yeah. Yeah, and even those shows. So you start at that package, and we're going to do secret shows for the people in that package and above. So if you can give us $6 a month, we're going to do uh, secret shows that not only are available just to Patreons, but they're also going to be video shows. We'll do the podcast, and it will actually be videoed, and you can see our faces as if that would you know, be interesting to you in any way. Well... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're better off not wearing one. And then uh, the fourth package, Bring Back the Arch. You get uh, all the things before, plus something that we're really excited about. You get the koozie, you get the t-shirt, you get the mention, you get Barry Quarter being uh, sexy, you get to be a good dancer. Uh, but the fourth package, Bring Back the Arch, we are going to custom make you a mixtape. One of us, either Barry, Lord Taco, or myself, will make a mixtape for you for only $10 a month for the uh, period of the What Podcast from January until um, June, which is what, 50 bucks? 50 bucks, you get a uh, t-shirt, a koozie, and a uh, mixtape. And then finally, the Mike Tyson. Now, we'll talk about the joke, the inside joke about this, but for $20 a month. Now, I know $20 a month is, is a lot, but uh, we hope that this is uh, worth it for you. You get all of the stuff in front of it. You get all of the benefits of, of the tiers in front of it. Plus, we want to have you on the show. We want to spend an entire episode just dedicated to you. Now, each one of these tiers has, has a cap, and I think there's only like 15 per uh, per package, and then the final one's only five. So there's only five um, people that can do twenty dollars a month. You know, we're not we're not asking for a lot. We just hope that uh, you like us enough to um, to throw us a little bit, so that we can you know keep this thing going on a uh, 
on a more regular basis because turns out we haven't had somebody call us and offer us say like eighty grand just to uh, take over the product. Which, by the way, we'll we'll take that phone call. <laughs> So there you go. The Patreon available at the whatpodcast dot com. Um, yeah, it would it would mean a lot to us, you know. And uh, you know who doesn't want to see Barry Quarter in uh, some sort of sexy negligee <laughs> and the wife. Uh, all right. So the other thing that I wanted to get to was uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, Lizzo because boy, I could talk about Lizzo all day. And I know that if you follow any of the Reddits or the Infaroos, it feels as though you know they are at a breaking point with the with the Lizzo conversation. It's pretty nuts. I follow all that too. By the way, we should say I hope she gets better. She's sick. She's sick. That's the worst drug I've ever had. We have tried to be. We have tried to do a podcast for the last two and a half weeks, and every time we tried to, one of us has been sick. He's down. So, yeah, so we got Lord Taco. The, the Lizzo thing is, is such a confusing, confusing argument for me. I, uh, this woman, when I found her, I was lucky enough, and I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I was lucky enough to be the very first guy to ever play on the radio. And I stumbled upon her on a blog, and. Uh, because of that, the record label literally called me and said, please stop playing this song. We don't know what we're doing with her yet. Well, I said no, and I kept playing it. Well, that forced them into moving it up a lot faster than they than they wanted. And they repaid me with this by coming to Chattanooga, bringing Lizzo to Chattanooga to play a free showcase for about 350 to 400 people on a random Tuesday afternoon. And uh, in that moment, it was five months after I had started playing her. She was doing no free shows. Even then, you could start to feel the momentum starting to hit. And I'll never forget, in that moment, she comes to the the Songbird, the Songbird South here in downtown Chattanooga. She shows up, and her manager says to me, we will be doing stadiums by the end of this tour. We're tracking on every metric. We see it happening. And even then, even then, this was without a hit. <clears throat> she barely had a hit at the time, but the metrics were just moving in a way that they knew things were going to blow up. Whatever argument you want to make about somebody being a one-hit wonder or two-hit wonder or whatever... That's not how industry treats artists. They see the metrics and they see where things are going. They can track it very, very precisely, and they know exactly what the person's going to be worth six, eight, 12 months from now, especially an artist like Lizzo. So even though I got to say things like I was the first in the country to play her, it didn't matter. It was predetermined. I mean, she was, I didn't know, not at all. Not one. And they knew it. And they knew it because of the reactions from sales and streams and, and concert ticket sales. They knew it was something. They just needed to get the right... They needed a, They needed an inside straight, right? And they got it. So when she... When she it's like, it's like uh, you know, if uh, Home Depot, if you create a whatever, you know, Home Depot, they buy wants to buy it, you need to be able to produce enough of them to sell. They have to have the... 
put a mechanism in place, right, the whole package in place. Mm-hmm. Well, if when we actually now, if if I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump ten feet or ten steps in front of ourselves, but if Lizzo is actually a headliner and she's actually the first he- female headliner in Bonnaroo history, if she ends up being that, we will have our own Lizzo show, and I'll tell you some deep dart secrets about the Lizzo world and. You know, as far as I know them, and you know, I'll go remind me because I'll go back to that big box store theory that you have because I'm going to stun you with a couple of things that of your theory. But when when they told me that she was going to be doing uh, stadiums and and et cetera at the beginning of the tour, mind you, this was May of of earlier this year. Okay, she gets to the the event space. She's deathly sick. She's so sick, and she has to lay down. She was an hour and a half late getting on stage because she could not get off the couch. And even then, I noticed that she was just, I mean, going from date to date to date, city to city to city. And when she was doing it, she was doing it right. I mean, she was living it. And I said then, I was like, you guys, I love you and I love her, but you guys got to calm it down a little bit because she is hitting it hard. And because she gives so much of herself on stage every night and she was doing so many nights in a row. And so to even be able to fit her into a small showcase in Chattanooga, Tennessee was stunning that they could make that happen. But that hasn't stopped. She has done, I, I saw a chart that, that went through the, the top uh, performing artists of the year as far as tour is concerned. And she did like, of all the artists, she did like the top five amount of dates of the entire year. She has just done so many dates and, and she keeps coming back to cities and back to cities. She's got to have a break. She's got to have a break. So I can imagine how sick that she truly is if she's having to cancel Saturday Night Live because I've seen her sick and I bet that she's been sick for the better part of six months. And it's just it's bound to happen when your immune system get break, breaks down. So, sure. All right. Now, I want to clarify a couple of things. Yeah, sure. I look. I have seen this show um, almost ten times this year. This show just keeps getting better and better and bigger. And when somebody wants to tell me that she is not a headliner, or if I read that you know she can't hit a note, or she can't, guys, what in the hell are you talking about? I I have I have never, never, and I've been doing this twenty years, Barry. I have never seen a crowd react like they do at Lizzo shows. I've never seen it, and I've. I, I'm I, and I don't mean to bloviate and I don't mean to overstate this, but I have never heard a crowd lose their collective shit like I heard at the Tabernacle in Atlanta when I saw her earlier in the summer. This was the most amazing sound I have ever heard, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. The show just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Her, the, what she's doing on stage keeps getting bigger and bigger. I've never, I've never been at the ground floor of something 
and been along for the ride and seen it happen. I have no personal stake in this, mind you. I've just been along for the ride because I've just been really lucky to go to a lot of the shows. They're just better and bigger every time that I go. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you, you know, if she misses a note or two, or if you don't know any of the songs, it is a damned blast it is do you understand i am a heterosexual male who knows all the lizzo songs but when boys comes on i'm screaming i like boys i like big boys i like little boys that is insane that is a cult of personality that you can't get with half with damn near half of the industry Half of the major artists in this, they would kill for what Lizzo has. And just because you're just now finding out about it does not mean that she is any less of a major, major headliner. And, and I read that, I read stuff like that, and I go through stuff like people, I read, I read somebody write that Cardi B was a bigger, is a bigger star than Lizzo. It is a major show. It's a real show. Don't sleep on this. It is a major show. And she not only she, – she brings out guests every show, every time. I've seen her every time that I've seen her. There's Iggy Azalea's been there. Macaulay Culkin has been on stage. You know, she even called Missy Elliott on the speakerphone and tried to talk to her via the speakerphone. Everywhere you go – BB Rexa showed up. You know, now, granted, this may not be for you. If you are a fish fan, I understand that this is not necessarily for you, but she is worthy of the big stage because that's how big that she is. You have to understand that this is as big of a zeitgeist and as big of an artist as you can imagine. And, you know, I read somebody say she's not, she's as big as, I would argue till I was blue in the face about her popularity and who she is and where she's going to be and where she's going to go versus Cardi B any day of the week because Cardi B has a limitation on her show. It's a limitation. You get you get two and a half minutes of, of a hit, song over. You get two and a half minutes of a hit, song over. Two and a half minutes of a hit, a dance break, song over. That ain't Lizzo. Lizzo is banger after banger after banger, and it's non-stop pummeling you for damn near 75 minutes. Uh, so the other thing was, I, I tweeted this out the other day about how I got confirmation that she is um, at least a million dollars. Now, I want to make something a couple, uh, make something really, really clear. I was not confirming that she was going to be a Bonnaroo. And reading it back, I understand how somebody read it that way, and I'm sorry about that. That's not what I was saying. I can confirm one million percent that she is a million dollars, and that is the least amount of money that she is. Now, she got a million and a half for her New Year's Eve show in Vegas. Now, New Year's Eve shows, of course, are at an inflated rate, but she is at least a million dollars for just regular shows. I can't tell you what her festival price is going to be. So if, if U2 is $5 million and Post Malone is $2 million or whatever it is, Lizzo's right there. Lizzo's right there. She would be the first female headliner in the history of Bonnaroo, and she espouses everything that Bonnaroo is about. When it comes to culture, there is not a more culture 
fit than Lizzo in the way that her body positivity, the way that she is uh, screaming about equality, uh, how she wants everybody to feel included, and then at the end of the day to love yourself. There is nobody that fits that brand better than Lizzo. She is part. She's part Oprah, part Beyonce, and they're going to get all of their money's worth for a, a buck and a half. Uh, so yes, it is at least. I know for a fact that that you know you can. She she turns. She's turned down nothing but five hundred thousand dollar offers for the last three months. It's been five hundred thousand dollar offers, and they just roll their eyes and move along. You have to have a million dollars just to book her. Just to start. Uh, the other thing that I read about it is that uh, she was uh, a one-hit wonder. Um, that that's absurd. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how absurd that is. You know, this the way that people price artists are not based on chart position. They are based on how you can sell a ticket. And Lizzo has sold out every show that she has had for a year plus. And she's about to, by the way, have about, you know, a pocket full of Grammys come January. Um, I told you this when we talked at the Rubus. I said that you're going to see her get a, a, a some Grammy nomination. Yeah. Yeah, something absurd. She's got the most Grammy nominations of anybody. That's not a one-hit wonder. And yes, she's had one number one single. She's about to have two, and she'll have a third one by the time... Bonnaroo gets around. It doesn't really matter. You're, you know why Post Malone gets as much money as he does? It's because he sells out at every tier. It's because every time that he puts out a song, it streams and sails through the roof. Guess what? You know, the top you know, three out of 25 songs in Chattanooga are streamed. It's Lizzo. And, that's, and if that's Chattanooga, that's a deal in Atlanta. And that's a deal in, in Nashville. These songs, may, you may not know them. But they are major hits in the world that we are in now. Well, I just need, I needed to say some of this because it's it, it's the argument online about Lizzo not being a headliner is just to me it just misses the entire mark. It misses the mark because it's not Tom Petty or Fish or U two or the Rolling Stones. Does that it doesn't mean it's not a headliner? Just because you don't understand who they are, or you don't like it, or you don't agree with you know the amount, of money, that doesn't mean it's not a headliner. I wonder if there's anything else that we need to um, we need to get to. I think that's it. Starting lineup day. Starting lineup day, we're going to be damn near every week until until the festival. You know, <clears throat> that's going to take uh, the efforts of somebody who can get us the uh, lineup pretty soon. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I I want to be the 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 first place that you go for the lineup because I don't know I don't know what they what they have planned. We normally don't, but. If the rumors hold, and it's Tool, Tame Impala, Lizzo, Vampire Weekend, Oysterhead, if that's our five, I have I have zero problem with any of that. I have zero problem. I think that that is that is as good as you're going to get for for this day and age. I think that's unique. I think that you you can find the the lanes that we talk about all the time through all six of those. I am totally okay, one million percent, with that that top two lines. Well, I'd like to 
say, I said, oh, because we've done it for three years, we've had to line up. Um, not first, but we had it in our hands as it's announced, and so we'll go live with it again. Uh, so you guys are listening to Turn on those notifications. Turn those notifications on because as soon as the lineup drops, we, the show will drop. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, again, Patreon, uh, the We would really appreciate your support. If you can, uh, if you can't, that's okay too. We still love you and we'll still give you high fives and hugs. And Barry will still be sexy, frankly. We'll still talk to you lineup day. Bye. the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. This is the story of the what. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.